Some of the people I encounter possess so much creativity, curiosity, and intellectual horsepower that they take their talents across mediums. Marvin Nolasco is one such individual. He's a talented artist, musician, photographer, programmer, and much more. In this fun chat, we discuss how he got started, what is the secret to having a broad set of interests that he go deep into, whether robots will replace us in many creative endeavors, and much more. It's going to be fun. So let's get started. Marvin, it's great to meet you in person after having, I guess, discussed virtually for quite some time online. And so before we go further, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Marvin. I went to school for computer graphics. Um, and somewhere in there, I decided to take a bunch of electives. And I came across Micromedia, Director, Flash, Premiere. And I decided to start moving in that direction because it was just way more fun. And I ended up playing with Flash from Director. And then while studying and looking at the internet for stuff, I found your page with all your amazing tutorials. And like, it gave me an opportunity to, like, I'm not a programmer. I'm more of a visual person, but I understand programming, right? And it, it gave me the tools for me to grab elements here and there and just implement it into my projects and just make it work. And it got pretty, pretty exciting by the end, you know, like I was um, running an internet page that I was building for a company I was working for. And they were basically, it was just going to be connected with XML and just pulling data from different places and all that. And it was, it was really cool. And then Apple, you know, destroyed Flash. Well, Flash was also becoming a problem because people were just clicking on, click here to update Flash Player. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those fun times because the story you mentioned about you're studying graphic design, you're studying something visual, you discover a flash, and then you end up creating something, which historically would have been something you needed to have a lot of programming knowledge in. It's just right. an amazing one. And that's something that Flash, I think, really brought to the forefront. And its demise in many ways is one that we never recovered from. Like today, a lot of people who are studying graphic design didn't really have a path to say, I now I'm going to take my skills and still be able to build something productive. I think we have some low-code tooling like Framer, things like Webflow that are kind of close the gap a bit, but it's never quite the same though in terms of like how much capabilities you're able to build versus what you had with Flash almost 20 years ago. I mean, it's it's because even after Flash was just being removed, Netflix was running Flash for a while because they were like secure in its own weird way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was very powerful. It was awesome, fun stuff. And I was actually excited for um, for Director because the Director started going online and you were able to bring 3D elements in Director. So I saw some very cool stuff when after school, but it just kind of never caught on. And also the bandwidth was insane. So, And of and, course, Flash was a threat. You, you know, if you're, if you're an app store, you're building an ecosystem for a platform, right. Flash was a walled garden in its own way, and you don't want to lose track of that. You know, Apple definitely didn't want to. They wanted more people to build native apps for their app stores, and same with all the other phone platforms as well. And even the ones that were open to having Flash run on it, Flash just couldn't. It didn't have the performance characteristics. It couldn't meet the, the battery requirements and so on. So even on fully open platforms, we can be like, yeah, please use Flash and make it work outside of the desktop, laptop, more powerful settings, in mobile, it just struggled. And I think that was, a, you know, Apple didn't help. 
But in right. general, Flash's inability to work in the mobile space pretty much made it the you know end of the line for it, unfortunately. I mean, I, I did see Apple saying, you know what, I don't want people playing homemade games on our devices. Like, no, this is not happening. And they just said, oh, it's a security thing. I said, oh, sure, whatever. But man, it really hurt. <laughs> it, was- <laughs> it does. It, it does. <clears throat> Mainly because not that you know, the tool itself is gone. It's just that the world it enabled for so many creative people to be able to take their idea and bring it to life, that world was lost. And that's the part that always gets to me sometimes as well. Because I look at the difficulties people have learning about web development or native development. I'm like, this is way too complicated. You know, a visual problem should be solved visually, not by you writing tens and thousands of lines of code to just make a rectangle move on screen from one side to another, which is a very common thing that people do. I mean, that, that's also why I like Flash, because it was a visual, you know, you grab that rectangle and you drag it across the, the, the timeline and it'll just fill in the blanks for you and you could just do all sorts of weird fun stuff, which is why I'm completely, like, mind-blown by 3JS. And it's like, why is nobody using this? Like, it's amazing. It looks amazing. It. I got excited just from seeing my phone saying, downloading. Please wait. And I was like, what? There's something loading. It's not going to be like this long CVS receipt, which is what web design has become. Because I think 90 something percent of the people, first of all, people don't have a computer anymore. And they do everything on their phone, which is, I find fascinating because like I have all these tools and I have my machines and my computer, but people are just editing phone uh, videos on their phone. They're creating animations. They're making music and they're okay by uploading a file that gets transferred to whatsapp that's super compressed and i was like wait what no like the video is in 4k and you want me to send it to whatsapp so there's this very strange gap because they don't have computers they're not able to they don't understand the concept of like yes this video shoot was about 40 gigs of data and it's going to take you a while especially if the power goes out in the country you're in it's fascinating yeah, and also it's frustrating. Almost... It's, it's, do you know what I mean? Like, 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 it, the... like, like the other yeah, day. No, so... I hear you. It's like when technology became democratized, right? It was a kind of case like we had this idea of that people will be willing to pay for higher quality of content or being able to wait longer right. times for things to be perfect. As it turned out, people opt for convenience ninety percent of the time. The ten percent of the times where they do need better quality and like the premier experience isn't worthwhile for companies to invest in anymore. So we've kind of just lowered the barrier in general. And a great example of this is that I was always a big fan in like, you know, audio and video and like you know, mm-hmm. sound systems and like, you know, video quality and all these things for a very, very long time. And so I used to be one of those people who would actually physically pay for Netflix and make Blu-ray discs essentially, because that's like, you know, right. not compressed with physical media and all these right. things. And then once streaming just caught on and went took on a life of its own, it's almost impossible to get Blu-rays or like physical media in high quality anymore. And with streaming, you can tell the quality is not great. Even if you have yep. 4K UHD, you're on like a you know gigabit fiber connection, you can tell, especially if you're trained to look at it, like, okay, you can see the banding in the sky, you can see the blacks are not, you know, it's not the eight-bit black, it's like the four bits. You right. can see like you know the grayscale things like, but people don't care. And we kind of lost it because. It's all about convenience now. And you see people complaining about, you know, for various reasons. Like, I don't even watch Game of Thrones, but 
a, a few times there were some complaints that the, some of the scenes were too dark. The director made it very, very dark. And it was right. hard to see it. And I'm like, I can see from an artistic point of view why the style was taken. And if you have a properly tuned setup, it makes sense why that actually is the best way to view that content. But the majority of the world has moved on to it. And I think all of us as content creators kind of have to realize that how do we make sure that for those who care about something really high quality, it's provided. But for the large masses who do not care, what is accessible and still usable of the same version of the content? I mean, it, you bring an interesting point because I, I did watch, I started watching Game of Thrones at the end, right? I, I didn't bother for years. I, I was busy being a DJ, throwing events, and like just being a rock star in my own little world. And TV was not a thing. And eventually, the last season's coming, and I was like, okay, fine. They, they spent a lot of money. So sometimes I watch television because it's expensive, you know? And it's like, you know what? If they put so much money into this, something good has to come out. Even if the story is not good, then the lighting, the animation, something had to happen in there. So I watched that uh, premiere episode, and it's like it's all crazy, and everything goes haywire, and I started to see the banding on the TV. And I was like, oh, right. This is like listening to a 5.1 mix surround sound on your Apple headphones from, you know, five years ago. Like the trashy little earbuds. you just not getting the full experience also as a person that works in production and shoots like videos from like small stuff to bigger stuff i noticed that most people consume on their phone like they don't even watch it on the tv on youtube they just watch it on their phone and stream it from their phone and it's 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 very sad because it's like well so everything i do it's been downgraded to a phone and people just want to watch little effects on the phone. Look what I did. That's really cool. And I'm like, I have After Effects, you know, and I, I, I get involved into these things. But it is fascinating. I'm, I'm beginning to learn to adapt, I guess you can say, to the new world of, of content consumption, if you will. And, like, you know, for the most part, it's like, I don't think people need a 4K video for at least another four or five years. And... Unless if you're really, really into that world, like, like I picked up actually a, an Ultra HD Blu-ray player the other day in the street for like 20 bucks. I was like, yes, this is perfect. And I know it has upscaling and all that. So I bought it home, I popped some CDs, and it, they actually looked amazing, considering that it's a CD, right? So then the Blu-rays, I, I, I learned also not too long ago that not all Blu-rays were 4K. I was like, wait, this is 1080. It's like, what? Okay, so where's the good, good stuff? I want to, like, you know, splurge my eyeballs into this experience of, like, wow. And even then, it's like, well, my TV is, like, mid-range. I don't have the full, wow, amazing experience that I could probably get if, you know, the proper setup. So at this point, it's just like, all right, I'll consume and tone it down. But I'm, it's, it's really exciting, though, technology, though. And the resolutions are just out of control. The file sizes are, are insane, like... <laughs> they're they're people don't understand how much is storage for like a 4k raw footage you know it's like yeah that's massive like you need to bring me a terabyte drive for the shoot and you might not be able to yeah. play the file yourself at home <laughs> it, it's, it's totally true it's crazy and so and you I, made the transition you were in graphic design and then you kind of transitioned into video and definitely music which is a big part of your life right now and so what what made that transition happen 
So the music thing started, I guess, with the computer thing and like the video game thing early, early, like in the early 90s. Okay. I started taking uh, DOS classes, DBase classes. Um, and then a friend of mine introduced me to electronic music, right? And electronic music back then, I guess, was the only music that was like very dirty and grungy and like nasty, you know, have curse words and stuff. And being a preteen, I was like, ooh, they're cursing. Oh my God, what is that? And it was just very, very exciting stuff. And he was able to introduce me to a full spectrum of electronic music. And also I started doing, like, we would do banners in the school with our names, with a dot matrix printer. And it'll be like, the design would be balloons. So the letter inside the, like very simple stuff. Um, I used to draw as a kid. So that kind of just started to merge. I guess um, I worked in an, uh, PBA, a PBS when I was in high school as an intern, and I worked with the art director. So he introduced me to the world of graphics and advertising and how much is a full page spread at the New York Times at that time, which was like $150,000. I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Like, I, it was just a whole different... And I remember one time we had a meeting and he was showing me some layouts and it was for a flamenco dancer that was going to be in town. And they were here. Okay, so these are the ads. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I was like, well, you should maybe remove this. I don't think this is... Mind you, I was a kid, but I was like under the art director of the station. And it was amazing. And that kind of solidified like... Oh, and I also took some Illustrator and Photoshop class in high school. So that kind of just pushed me more in that direction. I found like, okay, I kind of get it. Even though Illustrator was just not, didn't make sense for years, years. And then one day I went to my school and one of those scammy art schools had a poster. It's like, hey, come to art school, you know, you don't need a portfolio. And I was like, well, I didn't realize I needed a portfolio to get to a good school. So that was kind of my thing. So I went to uh, like the art institute, but I met a lot of interesting people and I, I've learned a lot. Like I just started picking people's brains and just started watching what the people were next to me in the computer lab doing. So I was like, oh, you're doing 3D. How do you do planets? How do you make things rotate? I want to make a spaceship. So I got into a little bit of everything while I was there. And it was, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. Like I think I've been yearning for that kind of circle of creative people to just like to just bounce ideas on a constant day-to-day -day basis. Because, you know, you just go to somebody's room and say, what are you working on? Here's my drawing for the final for blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, that's, that's um, from there, I just, you know, started painting just as an expression. That's actually some stuff I'm working on back there. Um, and I just do stuff and music. A friend of mine in college, he introduced me to the idea that he made music with a keyboard, a four-track recorder, and a microphone. And I was like, I don't believe you. Like, you have to show me, please. And he just blew my mind. I was like, what? You could do music? And I was like, can you read music? He goes, no. I was like, I, I, wanna, I want in. I want in. And it just started this very strange chase of just having more outlets creatively, if you will, you know? where I guess as being a kid, you know, drawing was my thing. So now being a grown up kid, it's like, okay, well, I could play some music. I could make some music. I can experiment with stuff. 
Um, I spent last year doing video editing, finally, because I finally had a computer that was decent enough to do the work. And and I just dove in. And I also ran into the... I, I saw that Flash was still alive as Adobe Animate. So I got very excited about that. Oh, my God, I maybe need to open up my old files and re-render them because, like, my files are stuck in the drive. I can't show anybody my website and, like, but it was very cool. And I was just a kid just moving boxes around and, you know, merging things and masking things. And and it definitely gave me a different perspective of, like, how to approach design. And I got I got good work from my design stuff. It's just that, you know, the, the dot-com collapse happened. And I was part of that early. Like, I just got hired. I was making decent money for being a kid. And then it was just like, okay, well, we have to let you go. So I was like, okay, cool. And then I started doing WordPress. And then I literally just started moving away from design because the squeeze wasn't worth the juice. It's like, you know what? This is not, and it wasn't as exciting anymore. It was just like, okay, I built WordPress and I have to clean it up. It's like, do I really want to get into PHP? And here I am again, like staring at code. It's like, I don't want to do that. Like, this is not. So, but now because of 3JS, I'm actually very excited to add, like, I was thinking about translating my old work into the forefront and, and making it in a 3D environment as soon as I find, like, a, I guess, like, a visual place where I can just build my stuff. So, it's, yeah, that's what's happening. And then uh, VR is also exciting. Like, I'm very excited for VR and actually augmented reality. Like, I had ideas from, like, being a kid, dude. And finally, the technology is, like, catching up. Like, I had an idea when I was a kid of somebody that was doing exercises over the Internet. And he would monitor this room with, like, 20 people, you know, and he'd just go in between cameras and all that. And I pitched it to the guy, and it wasn't even that expensive. But it was just, like, it, it people didn't fully see, and it's just all happening now. Like, you sit on your bike with a tablet, and you have somebody screaming at you, you can do it, John! And it's so yeah, I'm kind of slowly getting back into the possibilities. You know, augmented reality is going to be fun. Like it's going to be fun, I think. You know, for, you know, absolutely. For... And you mentioned 3JS is actually pretty interesting because that might be the technology that powers so much of the AR and VR experiences as uh -huh. well. So, in using 3JS, do you like the API design? Do you like the way you can take your ideas and turn it into visuals at the end of it? I mean, I'm still, I'm still very fresh to it right now. Um, I'm not, I'm not fully aware of, of how far you can go. I just realized that there is a camera in there. There's objects, there's perspective. And I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of fun. And the fact that you can bring in, um, you can bring elements from Blender, which I was like, okay, that could be interesting too. Um, so just, just, I'm, I'm also beginning to think in that realm. Right, because it kind of merges my thought process of how I saw director becoming 3D in the web. You know what I mean? So now I can build a website where instead of scrolling up and down, I'm scrolling in into a hallway, into like a gallery kind of thing, you know? And then you just start putting in whatever elements you want in there. But it's it, it is exciting, you know, and, and, and it doesn't seem that like, like the load is not that heavy, you know what I mean? Um, 
Yeah, the reason I bring it up is that I don't know if you're familiar with the history of 3JS, but it's actually created by Mr. Doob. He was a very famous Flash developer who created really nice visualizations back in the day when you and I were probably using Flash quite extensively. Hmm. And the first version of 3JS was actually written in ActionScript. It was actually made to have huh. Flash have really good 3D capabilities. And it wasn't until, you know, probably like maybe 10 years ago that, you know, Mr. Doob rewrote it to work in JavaScript. And then when WebGL became a thing, so you can actually do like really nice shaders and colors and, you know, do things beyond just what you can do on the canvas or the DOM, right. that it really took on a life of its own. And so that's why, you know, I was curious to know like how you like the API design and so on, because it was so heavily inspired by the world that we all kind of came from, which is the Flash world. And so this idea of like constructs that can have like very special properties on them is very much like the movie clip that we had in the, in the Flash world to represent right. a lot of this. And so, so, the, so and that's why I was like pretty excited to hear that even though you left that world behind, you rediscovered the evolution of that world in some ways. There's no visual tool, but the bulk of the creative expression in the API form already exists in that in what QJS provides. It, it's, I mean, like I said, because of the the VR thing, I think it's um it's changing stuff. You know, um, it's finally becoming a thing. Um, and and. I don't know. I mean, the whole idea of the minority report with the stuff, the hologram floating around and the interaction, like for me, it's like, okay, I could see definitely how that's going to end up working. You have your glasses, you're walking around. Like I have this, I have this very cool concept of deploying content where you walk through the neighborhood, there's a barcode and you scan it, right? And then as you scan it, then photos will pop out that were taken based on like a location. And so you get to see like, oh, well, this photo was taken here. And you kind of have like a strange tour. I don't want to give you more details because it's it's something that I'm trying to mentally put together as stuff starts coming out. And I think it's a very cool concept and it's worth like keeping hush-hush for now. But it's just, the, it's just you know, like, like we can drop content anywhere now. I mean, a QR code, people, I mean, which is kind of funny and reckless that people just scan them. But the idea that people finally have an app in their phone that can scan a QR code like before we had to download an app, you know what I mean? Like there had to be this middle step, which is what always turned people off to like doing any of these things. So now it's just almost like here, here's the tools. Here's like the AR is going to start being inside the OS also. So it's, it's, it's cool stuff, man. Very cool stuff. Do you, do you think VR will ever take off? Like we've been hearing the promise of VR. There were like games from like the eighties that had like poorly drawn VR kind of capabilities because I always look at it in terms of like you have virtual reality and you have augmented reality. One of those two is going to win. And I always, if I was a betting person, I always keep betting on AR being the solution, but right. I'm curious to get your take on it, you know, where you feel it's going to go. Um, I, I like business wise, AR makes a lot of sense. Right. But um, when when this whole NFT thing popped out and, you know, the Web3, which I was like, what the hell does that even mean? Um, when that whole thing popped out, that people started joining communities online and started going to gatherings with little cartoons, little icons. I was like, OK, I've seen this before. And that's kind of cool that people are, are doing that. Right. And that gave, I think, the technology an extra push. Because then after that, I started watching some videos of people just going into like the chat rooms and just being at the disco and you just have a character just 
doing a move that you know you type in we're gonna wiggle it just wiggles um the vr thing i think it's awesome but it, it's kind of creepy because like you know like imagine playing one of those immersive games like um, resident evil or something or you know what i mean like yeah. it's gonna mess with you like it, it's going to it's definitely going to like, like it could impact your your psyche and, and your mental state because it feels so real right and and the, the higher resolution they get and the more tricks that we do and the blurring and making it more intense and the sound like for the people that are into that wow they're gonna have a blast like you know and, and i could see games having a warning in the future like hey don't don't play this if you have heart problems or make sure you turn like do you know what i mean because i think it's very powerful the other thing is that you can do virtual tours. Like people, I do see people living in a very strange, I mean, we already live in a very strange dystopian future where this is the norm. Yep, exactly. So it's going to go from here to here. Yep. And I'm just going to sit as at home. We have a good awareness of our spatial surroundings. I think, you know, VR could be a thing that we all have like in our embedded, you know, actually let's go one step further. Speaking of dystopian future, like Neuralink, having actual embedded brain implants Ooh. that kind of like, oh, why do you even need the glass? You just have direct connection between your, you know, auditory and optical pathways to something digital that can actually alter it in real time. I mean, that's that's fascinating stuff, man. I mean, we're 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 machines at the end of the day. Like we're electrical machines, yeah. and we do actually emit. Um, we have a, a force, like a magnetic field around us, which is fascinating. Like. Yeah. Like, I love the science that we are, you know, and the idea of having, I guess, a patch cable for somebody that can't feel their legs, you know, running from the bottom of their spine to the top of their spine, and then, you know, they can feel their legs. It's like, it's very possible, because it's kind of the same thing, and this is what he's kind of building, in a way, right? So, I, I again, it's as exciting as it is, it, it can just go haywire, because computers go haywire, and... It's it's just you know like on some cyberpunk stuff like like in the game you know people just have short circuit yeah. kind of thing right and and I guess we're going to go into the world of you know are you fully human or do you have implants which is kind of cool I mean the idea of having knee implants when I was a kid I was like yeah I busted my knees playing basketball so when I get old I could probably get some some new knees. Now it's just like I can get my eye implant or something and I can actually see better, right? I can have like bionic eyes, like they have contact lenses that have augmented reality. So we're going to start building these little things that we can, I mean, hearing aids are now like smart hearing aids, basically. Like they're like headphones and they have noise canceling and you can like cancel out certain frequencies for them, which is amazing. Like I always thought that was, that's going to be great. Cancel the and world. A lot of modern pacemakers a lot of the modern pacemakers that people use they have like some wi-fi connectivity so you can like remotely diagnose and things that are going on there and you know pacemakers have been around for a long time and it's a pretty critical thing that you know is right. now intelligent and smart with like you know cpu architecture and things like that so i think we're maybe indirectly you know slowly that realizing it automatically just becoming more and more of a hybrid between a human and a robot I mean, like, the pacemaker idea was freaked me out because imagine if you just have a device that's running your system, your hard drive. Somebody could just send, 
either a magnetic field. Like it, it sounds crazy, right? But if you could just give it enough energy or a shock or something, or just hack it, why the fuck not? Excuse me. But you know what I mean? Like, like I'm sure the technology is not the safest thing. And if somebody's like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do what I need to do because this person, like, it's an option. And that's kind of, that's kind of freaky. Like, like, and if we talk about like putting an implant, like you can actually change probably the perception, the visual perception of a person with an implant. And you can just like, whoa, I mean, I've never thought about it till now. <laughs> you can yeah, just change this, their everything. You know, kind of like, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier where there's going to be like this point where it's like, there's going to be an inflection point where like all these lines kind of converge. I think one line is going to be how do we make robots be more like human beings? You know, we keep seeing these like videos from, I think it's Boston Dynamics where the right. robots are dancing, it's climbing upstairs, doing backflips. And I'm like, I cannot do a backflip. So it's already right. like, you know, doing things right. that I could not possibly do. It runs faster than me, it does backflips. Like what? Yeah, it can also like carry like several thousand pounds without anybody right. even flinching. So like, you know, it already has like capabilities that I wish I could have. And I know physically it's impossible for me to have that kind of capability. Can you picture yourself being able like, to do that stuff though? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I mean, got who upgrades. Want that, you know? I got my paycheck, yeah, I, I got upgrades, upgrades exactly. baby. <laughs> yeah, like the old Mech Warrior or like Mega Man X, like, you know, the whole, all the video games from back then where, you know, you could take a robot and like upgrade and make it more powerful and so on. So I think we're going to see more human-like robots coming into like our everyday life. And then we're going to see humans getting more robotic-like capabilities, whether it is better hearing or better seeing or being able to, you know, like you mentioned, like if, you know, you have a, a physical ailment, now right. the the combination of electronics and robotics can get you back to a state that you're in maybe even better and so there's going to be a convergence point where we're going to figure out what is it to be a human and what is it to be a, a robot and all these sci-fi films that have been trying to answer this for decades if not even a century from like all the hg wells books from back then will finally come to a point where like now we can actually answer it not theoretically but with actual real life examples right i mean it, it's 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 funny you bring H.G. Wells because I, I saw his speech that he had um, when he was talking about the possibility that we live in a computer simulation. And it yeah. just blew my mind. You know, he's also like, hey, people, like, this is serious. I thought about this. It sounds crazy, but hear me out. <laughs> and that's that's something that I actually have been uh, thinking about. Like, I, I love ideas. I love to, as a creative person, I love to, like, I, every now and then I indulge, like, even if it's a conspiracy, because, like, ooh, well, <laughs> that, this would be a very interesting story. What if you built something that works with this concept and all that? And the whole concept that we live in a computer simulation, every now and then I look people around me, I was like, you're just programmed to be the shoe repair guy, and I should not be talking to you about deeper stuff than shoe repair. Maybe we Have you seen Westworld? I, no, not yet. I have that on okay. the that, that show touches upon that topic in great, great detail, mm. you know, where you often don't know until at a certain point, you're like, wait, that person's not a human. They're actually a, a robot and all the complications. I think it's also based on a famous book. I forget. It's one of the famous authors. It might be Sagan or, or Asimov. I forget which one. But that, you know, basically is the premise of this. So I think there's a, there's a world where people imagined this could happen. And right. I think now we're close to being able to realize the, all those visions. Uh, in our everyday life it's it's <laughs> you know it, it's funny because like we're talking about technology right but 
and 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 there's such a disconnect with with the reality of the world. Like I live in New York City and I live in Manhattan and the way the city is right now, it, it's it's so inside out. There's a lot of people with drug problems. There's a lot of people with mental issues. I've never seen that before, ever, ever, ever. And um, we're, we're, you know, the other day I was reading that, like, oh, yeah, this guy is trying to give people internet because everybody needs to be connected. And I was like, well, they need water and food, you know? And there's that distance. So kind of talking about the dystopian Westworld kind of thing, like, like it, it's... It's very strange times, man. Like it's very, very strange times, and and like, and the technology is available to everybody. Like we can actually kind of fix the world if we dedicate it to it. Like we can just upcycle a bunch of stuff and start teaching people. Like, hey, this is how you can make a little lamp with some foil, chlorine, water, and some light, and like you know, basic stuff. And yeah. I, you know, I don't know if you ever followed the video creator, but Mr. Beast, he's, I think, the most popular YouTuber right now. And he creates, like, interesting videos and, and things like that. And he recently made news for basically finding a thousand people who are blind and just curing them by taking them to a doctor. You know, not even a technologically right. advanced problem, but just a, a common thing. It's like, wait, then you sort of take a step back and you're like, wait, why does it take a, a YouTuber who's probably like in his early 20s who just wants to do fun things? Why does it take someone like that to go and solve a societal problem that easily could have been solved by any number of things that the world is currently focusing on? I mean, I know it's not the case where like everyone has to like stop going and pretending to like go to Mars or like solving these problems right. and everyone's following these things. We had a mixture of all these items, but it does kind of bring to the forefront again, like some of the weirdness of the world that we're living in where you know, the biggest problems that we think are very different than the more fundamental ones of like just not being able to see and having easy right. solutions that are within reach for solving that. It's it's and it's really awesome to see that people like that are, are doing stuff like that. Like like I always like every time I leave my house if I go out at night, if I'm going to a club or something, I have extra water, banana or something, and I just give it to people in the train. Because it's it's you know, it's like why not? And this is the way that I can help, you know, and it's something like I had. But I also saw that some people online will give people stuff and record it and stuff like that, which I think it's funny. I was like, well, you don't really have to do that, but there's something positive to it because the other kids will go and help in some weird way. Like it's, it's, it's helping-ish. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, you know, in, in philosophy, right, they always talk about, like, there really is no such thing as a as a selfless act. There's always a certain selfish nature to everything that we do. Hmm. You know, even the things that we do that are good, like altruistic, there's a motivation behind it, you know, it makes you feel good and, and things like that. And the videotaping one always comes into, like, that ethical gray area. It's like, are you videotaping it to make others know that you're a good person, you're trying to do good things? <laughs> are you trying to encourage other people to do things like this? And that's the those are the things where... It's all about perception and point of view. There is no right or wrong answer here. I mean, right. And I guess that's when the spiritual comes in, where you start questioning. You're like, wait, I have to start questioning myself. Maybe this is genuine. Why am I thinking that this is not genuine? So it's funny. Yeah. But it's it's exactly. nice to see that people are actually like stepping up and doing stuff like that. Because living in a city with so many homeless people, one thing I learned is that like, you know, they feel like they're invisible. Like nobody talks to them. Nobody like like you know, and it's it's imagine like every now and then I mean 
put yourself in somebody's shoes. Like I always think, I always said like, like, like if you're lucky in, in our experiences in life, you're able to play every single role of every character, right? Imagine like if it's a game, well, you're going to be rich one day and then you're also going to be poor one day. You're going to be extremely happy. You're going to be extremely sad, but you're going to be able to feel. And on some spiritual stuff, like, you know, the idea that we reincarnate, we're here is because we can feel here, you know, and we can like, we can, we can hurt. We can like, oh my God, I couldn't feel this as an energy ball, nebula floating around in the universe or whatever it is. So, so I find it fascinating. And when I see stuff like that, it like, it, it touches me and I said, wow, like, you know, we're not too far from like being there. And it's like, I, I get it. But also, like, like, sorry, I'm kind of rambling about it. But it's also part of the things that inspire me. Because when I see stuff like that, I try to, like, to, like, like stop or try to guide the young kids that want to do something to, like, hey, man, there's, there's different options, you know? Like, like, you have a computer, you have a phone, you can make stuff, you can create stuff. Like, you can just go for it, you know? Because... What's happening now is that I see a lot of the kids back then that I used to be in music studios, they're in the street asking for dollars. You know, it's like, ouch, what happened here? So it, it's, you know, and then, that's why, like, I love the whole creative thing and ideas and just indulging in, like, all sorts of different things because it's part of the human nature and it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's so rewarding, too, I think, you know. Sorry, I know I, I went off track a bit. <laughs> no, like these—that's what all these conversations. You know, there's more to all of us than just the work that we do or the things you put out. You know, we think right. about all these things, and for me, it's all this is exciting because I spend a lot of time thinking about this exact same issue as well. It's like, what is the purpose of all that we're doing? At the end of the day, does anything that we're doing really matter? Is it moving the needle in either making life better for humanity in general or like prolonging life on Earth? All these right. things, are all the, the existential questions that we often have, I do think back at it sometimes, and I go, "What is the what is the end goal of some of these things? Like, is it really having the intended effect that we think it's really going to be having?" I mean, that's what got me started writing and teaching many years ago as well. Is like, you know, I have a skill here where I can take complicated things and simplify them. Right. Can I do something meaningful with that? And you know, luckily, it happened to be in an industry that was growing. You know, people. Right doubt about technology, internet grew, the world of visual design grew and so on. So it kind of indirectly benefited me in my personal career and, and life and all of that. But I always imagine like, what if my hobby wasn't something complete? What if it wasn't like, you know, something that isn't as mainstream? Like what if it was all about like, let's say carpentry, you know, I haven't really, I have a knack for like taking complicated things and helping you create that out of various types of wood. I would still like to do that. I would love to do that. I can't imagine the quality of life and the experiences that I had being able to talk to someone like you, for example, would have been possible had I gone down that route. I might be still doing things I might be happy with, I mean, but it I, might be very different. I can see carpentry kind of getting a little exciting. <laughs> exactly. There's, you know, there's so many different materials of carpet and like blah, blah, and which one cleans better, okay, colors. Agreed. And... But the, the, the trick, right, oftentimes, and I often see this when I'm like mentoring people about careers and things like that is, you know, what are you really passionate about? That is one thing. But really, what is society also valuing as well? Right. Like, you can be passionate right. about other things. 
But if the society doesn't care, like I could, you know, I could enjoy painting or like writing things only with the color blue. You know, that's right. my favorite color. I'm like, I could do that. But most people like multiple colors. They like seeing things with, you know, variety of things and so on. And so I have to kind of balance what I care about with what others care about as well. If my goal is to cater, you know, in a service industry or creative industry to right. other people's needs. And, you know, it, I always find the, the luckiest ones are ones who somehow were able to fully align what they like and what society values in a way that works out really nicely for them. And then the ones that are frustrated often are ones who have a passion for one thing, but what they can actually do are very different. And you see it a lot in the creative industry as well, where their day job is something very non-creative. It's right. like, you know, whatever a traditional industry work might be, but then they come home and they get to, have, get to do their, you know, the creative side of things. And you always see the excitement between like talking about their day job. It's like, yeah, you know, just, you know, pays the bills and all these things. And it's like, right. oh, I love creating things because I do all this fun stuff. And so I always want to know, like, what can we do to society in general where anybody has a passion for these kind of things? How can we help them be, you know, have a quality of life that, you know, keeps them healthy and happy and so on? And they still get to move the needle in, like, things they're really passionate about. I mean, it's 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 funny you bring that up because I'm, I've, I have a lot of creative friends and... I don't know, like, like I have a very strange path and I have a very strange determination. I guess I have the vision of, of who I am and what I can do, what I'm into. And like, I'm really interested. I'm very curious, right? But I have other friends that, you know, it's like, well, I have to pay bills. Like, I understand you have to, to pay bills, but you can doodle on the train. It's like, you need to make space in your head. I'm also very privileged. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I freelance, right? Um, I'm, my family does look out for me um, for a good time, for a good chunk of the year. Um, I'm just getting back into reality. I, was, I have to take care of family stuff for a minute. So I'm getting back into I'm getting back into being creative and getting into the field, which is why I started to do video editing, because I was shooting and I was doing um, director of photography work and setting up cameras and stuff. I was like, well, maybe I just want to edit, because the editor is butchering my work and <laughs> it's there's no purpose of like getting this beautiful lens and it's manual and you get like this beautiful colors and all this and then the editor just starts adding squiggly effects here and there and it's like why 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 <laughs> so i i felt compelled to also and like you said it, it's something that's kind of a thing so yes i can actually get work as an editor you know, so I got into Premiere and I was like, okay, cool. Premiere down, boom. I jumped into DaVinci recently. I started using DaVinci Resolve and I was like, all right, cool. I feel comfortable in there. Um, I messed around a little bit with After Effects and next is going to be, um, I guess, Animate and the whole 3D thing. Um, but also because these are things that are going to get me further and deeper into the, the I guess, the core of the creative good stuff you know what i mean because yes i paint am i going to dedicate a bunch of time into painting abstract stuff that i'm can maybe because i have to also learn that world it's like well i have to go take my paintings to galleries and hey look i paint I, blah 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 and it's like i'm not interested in that like that's a whole different world um so so you know it, it's it's you're totally right and i've been just lucky enough that i've been curious and and I've been having fun playing with computers and cameras and software and experimenting with stuff as it 
began to develop. Like I was doing web design in 1998, the front page. And yeah, that, that's like, how I got started as well. So, you know, like, and, and, and I loved it. I, I, I was like, okay, I get it. But it was just boring. I was like, I don't want to be cutting out boxes around circle buttons and transparencies. Like there's no shadows. If I put shadows, it looks like crap. And I was like, no, no, I don't. Which is why Flash and directors like, this is amazing. I could do shadows and animated and stuff. Like, yes. So, so yeah, I, I am moving still in the same kind of direction. Like, and eventually right now I'm just trying to merge everything. Like I want to be able to take my paintings and, and shove it into some AI stuff and mix that with something else, which is a whole different world of like, you know, like ex exploration. You know what I mean? Like I could take my entire photo collection and just run it through AI and just dress it up as whatever and project it and paint it and do something else and animate it. And so it's like endless fun. And I can also get paid because it's, it's a thing now. Like people want to see cool artwork again. People are interested in like, Oh, that's cool. All right. How can we get people to come to the party? We do graffiti now and we do, okay, cool. Yeah. We're interested in that. So yeah, and, and everything you've described right now about how you you know went from this like drawing and sketching to all the stuff you're doing right now. The the word you mentioned earlier about curiosity, I think that in many ways is a defining trait about you, where you're willing to try different things out just because you're curious, see how far it goes, and you also have the intellectual horsepower to go deep into it and make sense of all these complicated things. So for the most of, part, yeah, yeah, you know. So speaking of AI, actually, you know. I've spoken to various people who have different opinions on the role that AI plays. Many are terrified. They're like, okay, you know, I spent my entire life learning how to light things, create these rigs in three-dimensional, you know, space and, and create all these things. And then you have someone, let's take me, for example, has zero experience in that. I go into like something like mid-journey or stable, right. you know, diffusion or something. I type in a text prompt for exactly what I want. I hit generate a couple of minutes later, I get something that came out that for the most part is pretty high quality that required zero skills whatsoever. And on the right. other hand, you're actually excited about it. You're looking at this and saying that, you know, this is going to help you be more successful. And so I'm curious to get your take on it. Like, you know, is there the fear of AI coming and making a lot of this creative task obsolete overblown? Or is there something where you kind of like moving up the value chain where the calculator didn't get rid of people who can now need to do math, just help right. them spend more time doing things that they're more uniquely qualified to do? Um, you know, first, there's a lot of people that are going to be out of the loop. I'll tell you right now, it's powerful. I've been researching from visual to video to even chat GPT writing a VST plugin. Okay. And I was like, what? That's insane. That's amazing. That's, that's great. That's powerful. That's like, talk about giving people more power. You know what I mean? Like, first thing was the computer, right? Because of a computer, I'm able to have a full recording session in my house. Before that, you had to go to a place and you had to get a reel-to-reel -reel machine and you had to do this and you had to like four people doing this whole thing. Now we can do it at home. Same thing with video. I can shoot with my phone. I can edit on the computer. I can edit on the phone, right? So the AI thing, it's, it's definitely, um, there's a conundrum in there um, because... I don't think it's going to take away from the artist, from like people's being creative. I mean, if you're a musician and you play instruments, I want to see you play instrument. 
I don't want to see somebody on the computer, which I kind of do that. Like I'm building this whole life computer slash machine setup where it's like I'm playing with the computer, but I'm also tweaking knobs and pressing buttons, you know. And and it's it's funny because the the whole thing with the the music and being a DJ, like the DJ thing, went through the phases of, well, we're playing vinyl. Right. And then it's like, oh, you're playing CDs. Well, it's not the same. And it's just that. And vinyl's warmer and this and that. And then here comes the computer. It's like, well, I could do everything you guys were doing. Yes, it doesn't sound as amazing, but give me some time. And I can let you do other stuff that none of this is going to let you do. And people were complaining about it for a while. And then it just became like, it's a tool. And it's it's fun. Like, I cannot tell you. I love playing records. I love playing CDs. I love playing with the machines. But I also love playing with my computer, and it's it's just so different. So with AI, I think what's going to happen is that it's 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 also another tool that's going to help you expand, I think, your visions, and I think it's um it's going to also give people that don't have a single creative bone the ability of doing something nice. Let's say for their kids, like I'm gonna take a picture of. So the other day I visited my nephew's kid, right, and. He was, he was at the hospital. He was getting some procedure done. And I had to tell him, like, look, man, Spider-Man needs to eat his veggies. He's like, what? I was like, yes, Spider-Man ate veggies. You need to eat your veggies. I went online and looked, Spider-Man eating veggies. And I found a picture of Spider-Man with fruits and veggies. And he was like, whoa, that's amazing. So right then and there, I'm thinking, all right, wait till I get home. <laughs> I'm going to start feeding your pretty face into AI and just try to get some Spider-Man thing going on and blow his mind. You know, and that's something that we couldn't do when we were kids, right? Like the best thing you could do is like either take a picture or can you can you draw me? And not everybody could draw. So there is that aspect of it, right? Um, but also kind of like like fast fashion, right? Like disposable stuff. AI is going to start making disposable stuff, like ambient music. We don't need no more ambient music. We're just going to have AI spitting out tones and rhythms that are going to be calming and soothing to the people that are in there based on the season and the marketing studies and what country you're in. Like, do you know what I mean? So have you seen the the latest announcement from Google a couple of days ago where they actually generate really high quality music based on just prompts that you do? They don't do lyrics well yet. But you can just describe it and just like how stable diffusion and mid journey give you visuals, they actually now create really high quality. I, I, so because of, because of the music thing, I've been, so the first time I saw um, AI implemented in music, it was, um, it was like a sound separation software and it was featured at the BBC and it was called hit and mix. And what they did was they took the intro theme from the BBC news with the little bleep and everything, and they fed it there. And then in there, they just show you a spectrum of the sound wave. And then you're able to separate it. Okay, well, here's the drums. I'm going to mute the drums. I'm going to mute this. I'm going to mute that. And I was like, whoa. And this was like 12, 15 years ago. I just didn't have a computer to run it. Now it's just, it's awesome. And I, I again, I see it as a tool. I can see it as a companion. It's like, hey, you're going to help me finish this chord progression, you know? And because the reality is like, look, I have drum machines that have default patterns, right? People that, that make music, they use uh, sample banks, right? The same way that, that we use uh, patterns or swatches or whatever to design. Like these are helpers. 
It's just that this is something you type in and you get it there instead of going through your catalog and it's like, okay, I need something that matches this. So I see AI being like, like kind of good. Like it's, 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 I'm really excited to use it as a tool to assist. The other thing is that it's going to help me recover, let's say old photos. You know, like I've tried some AI cleaning photo uh, tools out there and not bad. I know Adobe has their own stuff, Adobe Lightroom and Photoshop, and they just dropped their new Sensei Power, blah, blah, blah. But there's a couple of companies that have like stuff they specialize in just that. And I shot an event the other day and the party was kind of dark and my ISO was cranked up and the photos were not, not something I would use. So then I opened up my shutter and then they started to be a little blurry. I ran it through the software and it really surprised me what I was able to do. It gave me some sharpening, it gave me some cleaning, and it just made the photos like, here, this is presentable now. And I can see that being part of my workflow. Do you know what I mean? And it, like I said, it's part of the workflow. I'm not just going to feed it all my work because you have to babysit these things too. You have to give it like, I want this to look like this. So I, I'm down for the assistance. I'm, <laughs> I'm down do you for, ever, for the help. Do you ever fear, do you fear the world where the assistance becomes a replacement? You know, we talked about how like, you know, imagine a Boston Dynamics robot that can do all these things, also knows how to work a room now in a party, and it just is able to take all these photos and so on. The one argument is, of course, that, okay, now this means that your time is freed up to do things that it cannot do. So you're doing, moving up the creative value chain. I mean, it's, it's, it is going to help with saving time, I think. Um, there will be a room where you don't need the same way that, you know, you give somebody a mix CD and they'll play it at the bar instead of booking you. They're just, you know, I don't need to book this guy. I'm just going to put it in there and just play it. It's the same thing. But when you have somebody in front of you, it's a person, it's a show, it's energy, it's an exchange, right? I could tell, like, it's like church, dude. <laughs> I started to reconnect with nightlife um, after a long, long break. And, like, I was in it, in it. And being back in with a different mind, um, completely fresh and a different approach, it's just, like, it's very rewarding. And it's, it's, like, it's become, like, a spiritual thing. And I just go out and I get to meet people and we get to talk. Sometimes we talk about music. Sometimes I go out, I don't want to talk about music. Because that's the other thing, like, I don't do this when I'm at a place where people just want to do that. I was like, no, I want to know how the person that does the music is doing, how it's life, you know what I mean? People forget that, you know, it's like, it's just like, oh my God, I can't believe, and you, and, and here's my info, and I was like, they're humans, dude, like, take it easy, it's, it's, you know, but it's so rewarding, and it's so lifting, that it's, it's, I don't see a robot doing that for me. <laughs> I don't see no, an automated no, I mean, mix, like creating that. I don't see, I mean, yeah, even in, in virtual reality, it's like, it's fun. Like there's an app where you can DJ when you have gear and you bring your friends, and you have a room with like 20 little avatars and, and it's cool, but it's not the same at all. So that's not going to go away. Um, the art world, I mean, painting and stuff like that and graphics for t-shirts. Um, I mean, it's doing amazing web design, dude. 
like amazing web design. I saw some layouts. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Like 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 beautiful, beautiful ideas, you know. And and, and still playing within the parameters of kind of the, like where we left off, which is fascinating because it didn't like blow my mind except for 3JS. That was the one I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. This is deep. This is like I need to geek out on this. <laughs> so it, it's. No. I don't think, yeah, it, it's going to take, it's going to put a few people out of work. Definitely. Like, um, if you have a team of people doing SEO and you just need two people and chat GPT, you say, Hey, I need the top hits for this and that. And here it is, sir. And that's it. It's like, why am I paying this guy $5,000? I could pay chat GPT, whatever their fee is. And I have that help, you know? So it, it's, yeah, it's it's part of times, dude. It's part of like the other people think was gonna happen. <laughs> it's just fast. Yeah. It's just really, really fast. Like it is so fast trying to keep up with all these new clones of Midjourney and ChatGPT and all these places that are popping up on the internet. It's just like, oh my god, how do these people do it? Like I'm just gonna have to like grab onto something and stop and start trying to like function from there. But keep an eye out on like the growth because it, it's 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 out there, and I think people should just start embracing it differently. Start thinking about it instead of like it's taking we're taking our jobs like in South Park, you know. <laughs> it's like, well, how can you make that work for you then? Because at the end of the day, there's the business, and then there's the being an artist or producing or professional, whatever it is. It's it's like. When you're an artist, you're just an artist. You just do. I mean, I just do, dude. I, I don't really have an agenda. When I make music, it's not going to be, like, charted on beatboards. It's like, no, I just felt weird that day, and I made something that I connected with, you know? I paint. This time, I was going through something, so I went in with those colors. And, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to disappear. If anything, I think it's going to value more the artists and a lot of the people that are just doing it because it's cool, it's trending, and it's like, oh, well, somebody paid this and that for an F- uh, uh, NFT. Or I bought somebody bought a painting for $50,000 in El Basel. And it's like, well, are you really into that? Because if you're not, like, you're going to quit. I know a lot of people that quit. A lot of very talented people that just stopped. And I was like, how do you do that? How do you quit music? How do you... Quit being a 3D designer. Like, the most talented people I've known. You just give up. Oh, I'm doing IT. I was like, okay. Can't you do 3D on the side? Like, what? So, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'm both I, different. I know we're, like, coming up on... Huh? Yeah, you know, I, I know we're coming up on time here. So, I, I, like, one last, you know, comment and get your take on it. This all goes back to, again, like, when you think about, like, intrinsic and extrinsic, like, motivation and rewards. You know, it's like, are you doing things for the external validation? Is it because you were doing things because you like the high you get from like seeing, you know, all those likes and those retweets and people oh, watching God. your videos and so on? Or are you doing it because you just genuinely enjoyed the process of just becoming a better artist? Like you mentioned, being able to connect with other people more. Those are things that cannot really be taken away from you. You know, you can't lose that because, you know, some new technology comes by or so on. And what I've historically found are the more successful people in the creative industry because you know, the creative industry can be a grind. 
sometimes. It is. But if your motivation for doing it is because you just genuinely enjoy it, you know, it's because you want to become a better person, find yourself, you know, and process information about how you do things in a more different way. I think those are the kinds of things where it doesn't matter what the world is like. It doesn't matter if you're right. not having, you know, immediate success. You're still going to keep doing it because you just genuinely enjoy the art of doing that. I think that plays a huge role in between the ones who are doing this for like 20, 30 years versus the ones who do it for a couple of years and then just quit. You know, the the things that keep that engine running are different. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I for me, the idea of having a bunch of followers online kind of freaks me out. Like I see people that have 20,000 followers and, you know, when you're a DJ, you're expected to kind of be goofy and people say goofy stuff when you're being serious. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to deal with, I don't want to babysit strangers. Like I'm an artist. I'm an individual. I'm very private. I like my privacy. I'm not interested in likes, like, because I guess I saw the whole technology develop, right? And just from, from the beginning, beginning, it's like, well, why am I building these people? Why am I giving them content? Like I'm building their platform. They should be paying me. And then when I want to promote my art, I have to pay them $5 so people can see my post about my page. It's like, no, no. So I, I <laughs> and, and I just went down that route. It's like, you know, if people want to follow, cool. But like, you see what I post on Twitter. I'm into the technology and cute stuff. I try to stay away from the politics because it's a heartbreak. And we can't really have deep conversations on, you know, so many characters. Like, some of these things are like deep and we have to go into history and we have to go like, Hey, sorry about what your grandma told you, but this is what actually happened. And you know what I mean? So it's very emotional. So I just like, I just do, I just do. And, and I love the fact that I, I have the opportunity to like, like I can go to a party, a good party and just bring my camera. Like this weekend there was an opening for a new venue in Brooklyn. And I brought my camera and I was able to climb on top by the by the guys doing the lasers and the projection and just get this beautiful, amazing shot. And it's like like stuff like that. I get a kick out of it. You know, it's like I bring my camera to parties. Why not? And I share the photos and people love it. And and it's not because it's going to like it does give me access. I'm not going to lie to you. Like the camera has given me access to a lot of rooms, to a lot of people that I would never have. A lot of stages, a lot of VIP stuff, but it's also because it's a creative thing, and I'm passionate about it. And I like it. Like I see people that just work very, like if I work a party, I stay to the end. I want to see the guy closing the party and people being emotional. I was like, oh my god, and that song was so beautiful, and the lights come on, and there's this like churchy feeling to it. And it's like I want to see that. I want to be part of that. Most people that work parties like, yo, it's it's three thirty. I'm out. I'm done. I don't want to see this. Like, I gotta go. So for me, it, it's just creativity. It just burns in me. And the more time I have, and like, as soon as I start understanding programming, I say, like, oh my god, this is gonna be amazing. I can start. But I, I don't kid myself. I don't have the mental space to throw in a whole another world of like, you know what I mean? Just like I can't program from scratch. That's not my world, but I can build and then like, okay, let's fix the program. Let's look at this and make it work. So that's why I also had to come to terms with that. It's like, I can't chase the JavaScript rabbit hole. This is like deep. This is, it's going to take me some time. And this was years ago when I committed to that. I was like, you know what? I'll find somebody 
and they specialize in that and they'll take care of that business. So as a creative person, I had to also learn to just let go of certain things. Like this is out of my league. This goes to you. And I wanted to do this. But I also want to learn too, because I want to be able to understand it. How did you do that? Okay, so I can fix it too. Did that answer your question? <laughs> that answered that and so much more. I, I don't think we can end the show on a higher note than that one, Marvin. So that's that awesome. A great response. And, you know, thanks for taking the time to chat. And I think we should definitely do this more, a few more times, you know, because there's a lot more things I want to go deeper into, especially electronic music, which is something I'm a big uh, hobbyist of as well. I, so I think we could next. talk. It's been awesome. Thank you. We, we could talk for hours. I know we could talk for hours here, you know, and, <laughs> and also be respectful of that.